to the podcast Contrast, where two artists, Joshua Granberg, my fabulous husband, and myself, Bethany Granberg, compare and contrast our artistic journeys, creative process, and philosophies on art making. Hi, we're excited to be here. Josh and I are living in Issaquah, Washington. I am a high school art teacher, and Josh is a artist, primarily a portrait painter, and we both do art and sell art, and I'm also a graphic designer. So Josh, tell our listeners a little bit about us. Where are we living? What are we up to? What's going on in the world? (laughs) Well, the world is a little bit crazy right now. Because of COVID. That's why it's crazy. When the world is crazy, that oftentimes means it's a good time to make art. We are in the middle of COVID quarantine and hanging on. So this is like week number 27. 17. It is <laughs> June 29th. This whole shebang started about March 12th here in the Seattle area. It's Qua Washington, right outside of Seattle. It's amazing, beautiful. Right now it is like 70 degrees, sunny mountains all around us. Amazing. We just took our dog Basil on a walk around some lakes. We have a dog Basil and a cat named Rye. We also like to cook, if you can't tell, by our themed pet names for our pets, not for each other. Basil does not like to eat basil. He doesn't. We've tried. He likes kale and broccoli and several other vegetables, but not basil. We have not tried to feed Rye to Rye. True. So let's jump in to the questions. So the first question is, Joshua, what is your purpose as an artist? Not a big question or anything. You don't ever call me Joshua. (laughs) (laughs) What's the, my purpose as an artist? Yeah. What is the purpose in your art? The purpose in my art or the purpose of me being an artist? I think those are two different questions. The purpose of your artwork. What do you want that purpose to be? Okay. You know, every piece has a different purpose. Um, But I think if you want to take them as a body of work up to now, I think most often, I guess you could say my, my work is much more about questions than it is about answers. So I want it, I want my work to be something that when someone comes to and views, they don't come away going, oh, that was a good, nice, cheeky little answer to some big question. I want them to go away saying, that was really challenging and I don't really know what his stance is or what he's saying, but there's a lot of things that I want to talk about. And maybe they'll get into a discussion over dinner after a show or something like that. So, So one thing I say on my website is that Art is a lot like a bridge that connects these two different elements. And sometimes there are things like um, the, the the permanence of life and the impermanence or the temporary and the eternal, the tangible and the intangible, the seen with the unseen. And also the distance between two people. You know, oftentimes it's the me as the artist as well as the viewer looking at it. And it kind of brings those two worlds closer together and... I, that's that's what I want my art to do is to bring two groups of people or two things together to have a conversation, to have an encounter with one another, 
And oftentimes it's not a very good encounter, but sometimes it's an incredible encounter. But I don't want anyone who sees my work to leave the same as when they walked up to it. Okay. That's why am I an artist? So in our next episodes, we're going to get into more of each of our stories and like why we became artists. So we might touch on that here, but largely we're going to save that for later. Josh, what, if you were describing your art to someone who had not seen it, how would you describe it? What's your medium? What's the style? I guess what it would be classified as would be classical realism. And classical realism is a, is very different than photorealism. A lot of people, especially nowadays in America, often when they see my work, they say, oh, it looks like a photograph. And... I definitely take that as a compliment because they're meaning it as a compliment, but photorealism is quite a bit different than classical realism. And the main difference is who the viewer is. So my work is is very representational, meaning so nature like nature, you know, a portrait looks like someone's face. So the main difference would be who the viewer is. So in photorealism, it's from the perspective of a camera. And how does a camera see? Classical realism is how does a human see? And they see very different. And so classical realism is I'm trying to paint what a human would naturally see. So would you say your style is more realistic than photograph? Yeah, I think that's a good way to say it. Um, And... I can say yes because I'm trying to paint what the brain sees and what the brain memorizes. So in some ways, it's kind of like caricature. Our brains don't memorize everything about a human, a human's face, but there's certain elements that we memorize, and then that's what we we remember and then identify them as that person based on those elements. And those are the things that I'm trying to emphasize and kind of curate out of all the visual stimulation that's out there in the world that a camera can't distinguish between. You know, it's someone's beautiful eyebrows like yours Aww. versus just, a, you know, a, a bird flying in the air or something. You know, it's, it views them as the same thing kind of visually, whereas a human would not. Maybe that's a bad example. Yeah, that was confusing. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, what I think you're saying, and you can correct me. Okay. What you draw and paint, you want to be more quickly recognizable than even seeing the person in real life would be. So you actually simplify a little bit and you're making decisions and designing, not just copying exactly what you see. Yeah, definitely. So I'm definitely reducing the amount of information in someone's face in reality. Okay. When Josh says information, he means details. Sure. Yeah, that's good. The information is is more like the artist uh, term for that. So we might have to uh, interpret each other sometimes for the person who's not already in the art world. So if my work is classical realism, Bethany, what would you say your work? Well... I would say my art has been a little more 
exploratory because I don't have one specific training the way that Josh does. So Josh went to the Florence Academy, which is a classical realism school, and they teach a very specific style. Whereas I went to a liberal arts college in the United States and majored in art. Actually, I majored in graphic design and also took extra fine art classes because I thought that graphic design would be more practical and get me a job. And <laughs> She's it, so practical. <laughs> try to be. I'm not. But anyway, so I have more of a, a generic art training at not as high of a level as Josh did. And you're also, your current job facilitates. Yes. My current job is I'm an, a high school art teacher. So I've been doing that for three years now. I was just a professional artist with some side jobs along the way before that. So right now I'm 33. I started being a teacher when I was 29 or 30. So anyway, being a teacher, I want to expose my students to a variety of movements and styles and time periods. So yes, that does facilitate my own art sort of jumping around a little bit too. But that said, um, I have developed somewhat of a personal style and voice over the years, especially when I was selling more art before teaching. I really focused in on watercolor painting and I really love color. That may sound very simple and childlike, but I'm kind of okay with that. Um, I love bright colors. I have a lot of color in my work. I think that has toned down some over the years. I remember jumping into this phase of my watercolor painting where everything had every color in it and was extremely like joyful. And that was true to where I was at at the time. I was in my mid-20s. I was excited about life. I was just discovering a lot of things and excited. And my artwork reflected that. Is With, it different in, the, in oils, do you think? I would say in oil painting. So yes, I, I do both. I do watercolor and oil, but I've done more watercolor. I think in oil, I am a little, probably a little more hesitant, not as free and probably not as expressive. You think that's from just the number of hours in each or is it dependent on the medium? I think it's both. I think it's partly the medium. Watercolor lends itself to going quickly and kind of flowing around in a somewhat spontaneous way. And I splash, like I physically flick my paintbrush with paint on it at the paper and and have splatters. <laughs> and so, yeah, the medium. And all those words that she just described terrify me. <laughs> I is. do not slip, fling paint around. I'm not quick and spontaneous. Josh <laughs> is much more controlled, and we will get more into that at some point probably. I never get any paint on me whatsoever. He is a little bit OCD, I think. If you saw my palette and his palette next to each other, you would probably laugh because mine is crazy and it has <laughs> layers from years of painting and it's a mess and his is perfectly clean except for the neat and tidy individual piles of his perfectly mixed colors. <laughs> That's true. In oil, I do use a lot of color, but it it is more controlled looking. I have not, I've not gotten 
as as much fun, I think, in my oil painting as as watercolor. There was a couple where I tried. And really what I decided was that I was trying to make oil paint do what watercolor does. So I was like, why don't I just use watercolor <laughs> instead of like frustrating myself yeah, they don't really work trying to get way. an effect that really watercolor does better. So I kind of stopped that. And I don't do a lot of oil paintings anymore unless I have a commission or I just happen to have a random idea that works better with that. And it seems like most of your commissions, at least since we have been married, have been oils, which I have found interesting. Is that not true? I'd say there's probably an even mix. It just feels like there's more oils because I don't do that otherwise. It stands out in my mind. Yeah. Yeah, and it takes you and it longer takes longer. To do them. Oil painting takes longer than watercolor does. It's also more forgiving. You can paint over it as many times as you want to, pretty much. Whereas yeah. watercolor, it is transparent or translucent. It is permanent. It's permanent. You cannot change very much at all. You have about two seconds before it dries where you can try and lift out some paint. Watercolor to me is very, very challenging and very difficult. I think because of the permanence of it, once you put it down, it's down. You can move it around a little bit, but it's kind of there. And if you work it too much, it just turns to mud. But it is scary. It is more of an adventure, I feel like. And I was scared of it for a long time for that same reason. But I think it sort of coincided with personally making myself or allowing myself to let go more. Like I was more of a perfectionist and wanted to be in control of everything and plan really carefully. So it sort of went along with my personal development to enjoy that aspect of watercolor. So in watercolor, the style that I have developed, I would describe as the juxtaposition of more abstract elements with some element of realism. So there might be abstract color filling most of it that might suggest something like waves or or something else, but it's but very abstract. It's very abstract. And then there is a smaller amount usually of a real object in the painting that I feel like grounds the whole painting, that it gives context to the abstract parts of the composition and then gives meaning to the whole thing. So it would be easier to like point that out in a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> Josh snorted. <laughs> we're keeping that in. <laughs> um, next to our table where we're recording this, this large watercolor painting that I did of a robin, and he's standing on a ladder looking backward over his shoulder towards an abstract area of color that it has a lot of blue and orange, and it kind of looks like waves and fire and stormy swirls of color, and then it gets dark. And so the idea with that is that he is... On the tipping point of a decision, is he going to fly away because it's scary or is he going to go back towards that? And does he even know how to fly? He's standing on a ladder because maybe he doesn't know that he has wings or that he can use them. So he climbed up a ladder to get higher, which is illogical for a bird. And I like to make parallels to truths or spiritual realities in my paintings, much like parables that are teaching or illustrate a point. So it's about that fear of the unknown and, and choosing a direction, which when I painted it in my 20s, that's where I was at. And I wanted to do these things, but I was scared and choosing to be brave, that shows that struggle. 
So is this kind of like searching for an identity? I guess it's kind of two things. The whole thing about having wings, but climbing up a ladder, not knowing if you can use the wings, probably some self-doubt of... If it was a parallel to where I was at, I probably knew what I wanted and I wanted to be brave and jump into the unknown, but I wasn't sure if I would make it. I wasn't sure if I would be successful, if I was capable. It's definitely a painting that I have always loved of yours. Interesting backstory behind it is Bethany painted this painting, but I actually own it. (laughs) (laughs) That is a story. (laughs) So can you quickly tell that story? Yeah. So then over Bethany's shoulder, there's a little, uh, well, a a decent-sized painting of an orange on a purple cloth that I did that is Bethany's. When I moved back from Europe, we kind of, we started dating. We both liked these paintings of each other's and we wanted to kind of collect them. So we decided to switch. So I gave her the orange painting and she gave me the bird painting. So we said we were going to do that. And then... You know, crazy stuff happens, and we ended up breaking up. So Josh is being nice. I broke up with him. <laughs> like many times. <laughs> I broke with it, up with him two and a half times, to be exact. But this was the first time? I think this was the first this time. This was the first time that I broke up with him. Like, we had already decided to trade the paintings, but we hadn't actually done it. Yeah. And then I don't remember how exactly we decided that how it was brought up, but we decided we were going to go ahead and switch the paintings. I think I texted you and I said, do you still want to trade paintings? Because <laughs> <laughs> she really wanted the orange. I really wanted it. And I wanted the, the bird painting, but I was still very mad at her. But I knew that I would not always be. So I said, sure, it'd be great. So we went and switched and I put it in a closet and didn't look at it for a long time because I knew I would eventually not be quite so mad and be able to pull it out and put it on the wall and be happy. So we switched. So we traded paintings like three days after I broke up with him, and it was really awkward. I think he brought me a latte too. Didn't you bring me a latte? I think so. That same time. I was like, why is he being so nice? I knew what I wanted. (laughs) (laughs) He was so nice and mature, even when he was mad at me, which just helped me see his character in the long run. It worked out in the long run. And here we are. Yep. Married, doing art. Cat and a dog. (laughs) So we are going to link both of those paintings that we just talked about in the show notes on the podcast. Josh's orange painting in oil and my Robin on the ladder painting in watercolor. That's not the title. I don't think it has a title. (laughs) Josh, how do you feel about titling artwork? Oh, it's so hard. I hate it. It's so difficult. It's a lot of fun when you really hit a good one. Can't it just sort of complete the sentence of the painting, be a jumping off point for the viewer, if it's right? Yeah, it can be all kinds of things. There is the rare occasion where the name of a painting or drawing, the title really enriches the piece, but usually it's just awful. Usually I give the most boring Simple, descriptive titles possible. Yeah, like my still lifes. Two pairs. Yeah, I mean, the reason we paint and draw is that we don't want to have to use words. So (laughs) titling is a little bit miserable. So rabbit trail, but it was interesting. Why do we call it naming and not titling? Well, it is called titling. 
Yeah, but we were just using the word naming. I think naming sounds more personal, doesn't it? I think art is, each one is like a little baby. Before the podcast started, we were we were talking about that, actually, how we feel about our art. I have such nostalgia thinking about some of them, such affection for them. And I feel like they are my kids, like, connected to me, <laughs> but not, not exactly cohesive with me. Like they're separate and apart. They're, yeah, they're ways. this separate entity. Like, they almost have their own spirit. And I'm proud of them for existing, like, almost in a way... That seems weird when you realize, like, I made it. <laughs> um, it's so true, though. Yeah, it just feels like this, like, when it when it's a good one, it just feels like this thing that was supposed to exist, and I just helped it along and encouraged it in its <laughs> coming to being. I realize this sounds a little bit cheesy, but when I look at some of the paintings, I don't feel this way about all of them. Certainly, there's a lot of stuff I've done that, I'm like, meh, that was less than awesome. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of, I have a lot of those. I mean, I think any artist does. Any artist who is willing to, to do the work and put in the time to make good art, you're going to end up with stuff that you don't like very much too. And that's what I tell my students is don't be afraid of making bad art or messing up. Like nothing is, nothing is messing up because it's all part of a process that is going to get you to a point where you're growing and some of what you do, you will like. There's a book called Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, I think is her name. She talks about bringing art into reality. And it's kind of like these creative elements floating around looking for someone to help bring them into existence. And they kind of whisper into your ear what they're like. And then you grab a hold of them and then have to wrestle them into existence. And if you don't give them the attention that they deserve, then they'll leave that creativity will leave and go on and try to find someone else to help bring them into existence. It's an interesting concept. Yes, Elizabeth Gilbert is a good one on creativity. We will have probably more than one episode in the future on creativity and the creative process and how that comes about. Also, myths and misconceptions about creativity and artists. For now, we're going to wrap it up. This has been lovely. Thank you for listening. And we hope you will join us next time. As Josh and I continue to discuss, sometimes disagree, compare and contrast our views and experiences on art and art making. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you later. Have a great week. Thank you.